Has your local footy club had a recent clangor or challenge? Well, Amy is here to help. The Amy Clangers for Good competition is back for 2024. This year, Amy are donating $10 for every clangor recorded during the AFL season with eight community clubs in the chance to win up to $15,000. If you want your club to go into the running in 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. That's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. T's and C's apply. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week on the podcast is Brett Rosebury, the umpiring extraordinaire, breaking the record for games umpired this weekend, which is incredible. 503 games? 503 games. That is that is a lot of bloody games. Um, this guy's seen it all. I'm so interested in umpiring and umpires because they're a silent voice. You never really hear a lot about them. But they literally have the front row seat to some of the most incredible experiences and things that happen in our game. Brett has been umpiring for over 20 years. So it's umpired players like, you know, McLeod, Rashudo, Wayne Carey, all alike, these absolute superstars. And then you know, even now, umpiring players like Nick Dacos, Petrarca, Gorn, Bontempelli, um, which is just crazy. So to hear what he has to say about that and how he's done it, how he's kept his body in shape, dealt with the pressures, um, yeah, it was a really cool chat to catch up with. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Congratulations again to Brett. You're a star, mate. And um, we love you, Ilyxx. Hope you enjoy, fam. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Brian. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable and uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Handing him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by Stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, oh, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Brett, how are you, my friend? Good, Bucks. How are you? Good, mate. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This has been, yeah, really exciting to get you on, and uh, congratulations <laughs> on everything that's been happening over the last few weeks, mate. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. You know what I mean? A couple of mutual friends are like, oh, you better get on Bucks and friends. <laughs> so, oh, no pressure. What was the, yeah, the initial, because obviously Andre Giafania, Matty Nichols, Nick Foote, we've got some mutuals. I played golf with a couple of your yeah. mates. What was the opinion when you were, when I asked you to come on? <laughs> no, nah, they all said you're a good fella, so <laughs> and I'm always up for a laugh, and so definitely my kind of show, I think. Mate, I'm excited. It's um, it's incredible. Like I couldn't believe when I saw it was your 500th game a few weeks ago, and obviously going into record-breaking territory this week. Firstly, it's just incredible. Like 503 uh, going yep, into, yep, is just it's a lot of footy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's like, a lot of footy. I haven't thought much about it over over 24 seasons, yeah. you know, the number or whatever. 24 seasons. Um, but. You know, more recently I've had to reflect a little bit more and, you know, when you think about it, it's like, geez, that, that is a bit crazy when you think about it, like uh, how long it is and 24 years of your life, you know, running out week after week, just getting abused by everyone around the country, <laughs> you know, like, so there must be something <laughs> wrong with me to want to put up with that. It's uh, some weird stuff. I hope you're looking into what, whatever that is. But are you more impressed with the games in yourself and getting to that number or how good you look for... <laughs> After after 500 games, I still thought you were about 29 years of age. Yeah, well, I think I've done it well. Like, I reckon once I hit 30, for like 10 years, I just kept saying I was 30. Yeah. So I think I fooled a lot of people that they thought I was always in my 30s. But yeah, unfortunately now, 43. So oh, you, I uh, can't believe that, man. Definitely like, You are the older. youngest 43-year-old I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you chuffed with that? That's fantastic. Um, so, mate, welcome to, welcome to Dylan Friends. As we said, this is awesome. I cannot wait to jump in today and just um, unpack your story, but also talk about some of the incredible things that we've seen. We've had Sean Ryan on the pod a couple of years ago, Razor Ray, way back at the beginning. And I think, obviously... 
being an umpire and being as many games as you've done, you've had a front row seat to some of the most incredible moments in over the last, you know, 20 odd years that don't often really, you know, you're such humble sort of people, umpires. You don't really get to speak about them too much. I can't wait to pick your brain on some of them. And there's a lot there. There's a, there's a lot. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I guess people wonder why you do it. And one, we love footy. That's why we obviously start umpiring or we get involved in some regards. But um, yeah, once you're at the AFL, you know, I mean, not every game you can appreciate mm. the moments and stuff like that. There's a lot of pressure and stress that comes with it, but there's definitely times when you can really appreciate, you know, I'm 10 metres away from Heath Shaw running down Nick Rewald in the grand final replay and does that remarkable smother that you'll see for the next 50 years on TV, you know, and you're right there and you can appreciate that was one of the most iconic moments in the grand final. Unbelievable. Mate, let's just get straight into it now. What is some memories to you that stick out as some of your favourite memories in footy so far? I know that's, that's a very long list, but yeah. that one that you just mentioned, then you get goosebumps straight away even thinking that that's, that's something that's up there. Yeah, I guess, you know, footy footy has a way of celebrating moments or making things very special. So, um, you know, I mean, things like Buddy kicking 13 down in Tassie, you know, like he only had one at quarter time that day. Um, so, you know, pretty remarkable that he's ended up with 13 and you could, I think everyone on the field that day could just sense after half time that something well, was happening, something was happening. And then as he got into the last quarter, I was like, I think everyone was just like, we weren't cheering <laughs> for him, but you, you were like, oh, this is, this is remarkable. So it was a day that you never forget. Um, Jason McCartney's comeback game, you know, Marvel, North Melbourne, that was, you know, for different reasons, you know, amazing feat for Jason to be able to come back and from the Bali bombings, from obviously. the Bali bombings, yeah. yeah, and come back and play. And I remember that as a kid, just like on TV. Remember the weight of him coming back, the yeah. long sleeves, double long, gloves. Like, exactly. you know, I can still just like picture it to this day. Yeah, and just when he marked it and then kicked that goal, you know, the whole stadium. But I think everyone that was out in the field just wanted to, you know, celebrate that moment because of what it was. Obviously, there's a big game. So Friday nights, Saturday nights, um, Thursday nights even now of late have been some incredible footy. But sometimes a lot of those innocuous games are like a Sunday Arvo that you've mentioned, like one in Tassie where you're going in Hawthorne that you think like, is Buddy Frank going to kick 13 today? They're the ones that you just think, fuck, like what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's what the beauty of umpiring is. Mm. You don't know what you're going to get each week. Every game is always different. Sometimes you're going into Collingwood Carlton this Friday night, say, and you'll be expecting a huge game, huge crowd. It might end up being nothing. And then mm. go to roll forward West Coast, North Melbourne, and literally might, <laughs> might, might, might be the game of the week. You yeah, know? Like, so you, yeah. just, you just go out there and you honestly got no idea what you're going to get each week. How has the change for you since starting as a young man from WA? We, we listened to uh, Mon. We didn't get credit. We got to credit the podcast. It did. It might have been one of your friends, but the West Australian <laughs> Whistle Wizard. Sorry, no idea. No idea. <laughs> no, okay. No. Well, I think she might have stitched me up there. There was someone was calling you in an article, the Western Australian Whistle Wizard. Okay. Do no, you like that one? No, yeah. <laughs> it's probably one of the nicest things yeah. that's been said about me. <laughs> From starting back um, when you did, what has been some of the biggest changes in the landscape, not only what the players are doing, but for you, mm. umpires? Yeah, I guess when uh, when we started, there were no microphones, so mm. the uh, – Interaction between player and umpire was very different. Uh, so you would have Wayne Carey give you some feedback, and even though I was only twenty, you'd, you'd give Wayne some feedback. You know, back around, you know, just getting on with the game, and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So microphones got on the umpires. Communication first came in early two thousand, so that all changed pretty quickly around how we had to interact with players and a bit more mutual respect and. Obviously, then on-field penalties came in for too much abuse and so on like that. So uh, the game has evolved a lot, you know, like there's things like dangerous tackles now that we never had to consider mm. and holding the ball has continuously evolved over 20-odd years. So as umpires, we just come back every preseason and see what's in store and uh, try and adapt and adjust to whatever the interpretations are going to come in for that season. Right, let's go back to the start, mate. How did you get into it? From a West, Western Australian boy, where did you start getting into umpiring? You played a bit of footy growing up as yeah, well. Yeah, just junior hack running around at Armadale Junior Footy Club, um, just in the southeast suburbs of Perth. Yeah, not not very good, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed playing with all my schoolmates and running around, and I used to give the umpires plenty of stick. So when I took up umpiring and, you know, got involved, they all sort of were just shaking their head thinking, how is this, you know, little smart-ass kid going to take up umpiring because 
he was the biggest loudmouth on the field, just abusing the umpires all game. Well, that's something that you have in common with a good friend of ours, Andre Giafani. I played with him at the Northern Blues, and he was captain of the Northern Blues at that time. He was also rookie listed at Melbourne. I'm sure he's told you that yeah, many mul- a times. Mul- multiple times. He probably yeah, let you know yeah. a lot. But he was probably, let's be careful here, probably one of the most abusive players to the umpires you know not nothing no. terrible but just you maybe know, it's, it was, maybe there's something in that maybe, maybe there's something in that maybe it's maybe it's just shows that you got good empathy for the players because you understand you know what's going on i don't know 100 percent. and then when was the transition in from playing to, to umpiring what was that first like was it always something in the back of your mind or yeah, was it just so stay involved yes yeah, so i was only 14 when i took up umpiring uh so i kept playing until under 17s and then just umpired just played saturday umpired sunday got you know, a little bit of cash, thought this was pretty cool. And then got to a point where got invited down to like a, the Waffle under 18s, like a umpiring talent squad. Yeah. And at that point, I had some mates from school that were going to play Colts footy in the Waffle and I thought I'd be pretty cool, be able to umpire some of my mates going down playing at South Fremantle Colts or Perth Colts. Um, yeah, and then they stayed in the Colts and before you know it, I was into the reserves and umpiring Waffle senior footy as a 17-year-old. What was it? What was it that sort of gravitated to it? Was it just you fall, fall into it, or was it like your fitness? Did you love just staying fit on the weekends, being a part of the, still being part of footy without necessarily playing, but you're yeah. still so active in the game? Yeah, I just I love footy. I mean, yeah. I watch heaps of footy. I'd always go to waffle games, you know, outside. Supported my senior senior footy team at the Armadale, yeah. so I just love footy. So I thought that maybe it was a way that I could just stay involved. And at that point, when I went down the waffle, I had no any. No idea about umpiring AFL footy even at that point. I just at all, I just enjoyed umpiring waffle at that point. Unbelievable. What would you say now, a little bit off track, but like to young people in the game mm. that want to stay involved in footy, like would you give any advice to people that are looking to get involved in umpiring now? Like I know there's a lot more better pathways yeah. um, to get to the big time, but it's still for, you hear about it, which is really sad in junior sport, like how it is hard for young kids that are getting abused on the field um, as well as, you know, mm. they're doing it part-time just to, do whatever yeah. they want to do. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, obviously, anyone that wants to take up umpiring, I'm like, go for it. You know what I mean? It's actually more fun than what you think it would be. Mm. Like, yes, there there are the bad stories and bad experiences, but, you know, I mean, I umpired an under-14s game earlier this year out in Brighton with a young umpire just in community round. And, you know, I mean, it was pretty good now, whether it was because I was there and the crowd was a bit more respectful or whatever. But you know, I just think, I'd love more people to give it a go because once you give it a go, I think you'd really enjoy it mm. and that's what I would like more people to give it a go. But in terms of those young umpires, it's a it's a great career path there now to get to the AFL. You can make a full-time living out of it if you want. I still choose to work and balance and have, have a good balance between the two, but you can make a full-time career out of it. And I've been doing it 24 seasons this year, four umpires – this year has just enabled that to go on a few more years. So definitely uh, beat slipping uh, burgers at McDonald's as a part-time gig maybe. So good. With that as well, if you don't mind going into it, like which is which is super interesting, is the fact that, as you're saying then, you work full-time outside of what yeah. you do, but also you know umpiring can be super rewarding in the sense of not just doing what you do, but also you're getting paid relatively yeah, sure. good money. Like I don't want to no, 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 go no, into no, it, but yeah. it's, a, it's a great outcome for everyone really. Yeah, I mean – if you're if you're umpiring high end grand finals, you know year after year, you're earning you know over 150k. Wow. So that's an amazing, ultimately a part time job. Yeah. But you know we've got some umpires that choose to do that full time and manage their their family life, everything uh, around their umpiring. Um, so you, you can make an, a good go of it. Um, I've liked the balance of having an outside you know, distraction that it's not all football. Mm. So working, you know, making sure, you know, Monday I've got I gotta go to work, that kind of thing, as opposed to sitting at home thinking about every bad decision that I made on the weekend. You know, like it's there's time for that. And that will come through during my game reviews and, yeah. and coaching and and that kind of stuff. But if if I wasn't working and having that outside um, distraction, I think I wouldn't enjoy the footy as much, I think. I understand. It's so funny, like I when I was playing footy and I've, I've regret, I don't regret saying this now, but I've always been like to people, you've got to have balance in what you do, whether that's playing footy and then yep. doing something outside of it. And it's such a thing now that I've sort of grown up and realized that you've got to work out just what's best for you. Yeah, Some totally. people well, yeah. love being all in. Yeah. And it's like, who am I to tell these young kids, go have balance? Like, I don't think Dustin Martin's got a part-time job on the weekend. It seems <laughs> no. like it's working pretty well for him. You know, like Christian Petrarca's not 
yeah. like going and doing things. So if you go all in and that's good for you and it makes you get to the best of your game, but also sometimes it is worth having a balance on yep, the outside. Definitely horses for courses, but what, what what works for you, but, you know, I mean, all our young umpires, I encourage them to definitely, you know, do some more work study that kind of thing because if you're not getting a game every week and yeah. not every umpire gets picked every week and you're just you know waiting around for an opportunity you know, i mean there's there's a lot of downtime it's not like we're pumping heaps of weights you know like you know, footballers are full-time their schedules yeah. are you know banged out the whole week you know what there's only so much running we can do only so much bouncing the ball only so much video we can watch without tipping over too mm. far, you know. So, how do you go with with that sort of thing on the um, in footy in terms of like the training? Now, that was something that obviously you guys train. You run upwards of how far would you run in a game? Fifteen. Oh, it's come back a bit. Yeah, you know, four umpires has yeah. brought it back a bit uh, this year. But time on legs, end of the day, the GPS is somewhere around thirteen or fourteen k. Yeah. But in terms of that, it's really High running. Intensity running. No, it's it's literally four to five k of really? you know higher end type running. So it's it's. Time on legs, you still yep. got to concentrate and yep. move, but it's it's dropped thirty or forty percent wow. from a three umpire system. So what about back in the day when that was three umpire? What was some of the k's you were getting up to? <laughs> yeah, you, your GPS in three umpire would be well over you know fifteen k by the end of the end of the game. So we've definitely noticed the difference in the the mental fatigue and the physical fatigue much different under four umpire. What about the training schedule? That was something that I was so surprised about and shouldn't have been surprised because knowing what it takes to become an elite athlete and that's what you guys are, is the running in the off-season, the running even mid-season and the reviews, how much you guys have to review your own game and, you know, maybe goes without saying, I don't want to put anyone on the bus here, but how much much you guys actually really have to critique each other and how hard that is for, for stuff in the reviews? Yeah, I mean, we we come back pre-season, same time as the players, so we're pretty much, you know, pounding the pavement. There's a lot of, you know, 50K running weeks during the pre-season mm. and stuff like that, just building that base up. So, yeah, it's, you know, that's when, like, guys like, you know, Lee Fisher have come in and Frankie Carazzo and even Gia in some regards that, you know, to take up umpiring, giving it a go. and Ex-players. You know, ex-players and, and they're great minds, but their bodies just, you know, really took a while to adapt to, it's just different kind of running and, and training loads and maybe it's the backwards running and stuff like that. Yeah. Because um, that loads the hammies, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's just weird that, so, you know, I mean, even Jordan Bannister, you know, they tend to have a few more injuries when they started off initially. It must be a really different type of training compared mm. to the playing days. You know, I mean, the, the reviews, you know, I mean, like we're, we're the harshest critics of ourselves. You know, people are like, oh, how do you deal with the scrutiny? And I'm like, well, I don't need to go looking for it. You know, like I'm honestly one of the harshest critics of my own performance. I don't need to go looking for Kane Corns' feedback or, <laughs> or listen, you know, someone sends you Grant Thomas's tweet. I'm like, oh, thanks. But, yeah. you know, like it, it really doesn't make a difference to me. I, I review my game. There's someone in the arc reviewing everything we do, say, run, you know, that kind of thing. They've got 10 different cameras. Every decision we make gets reviewed from multiple angles. There's a match day coach. We come together, training on a Tuesday night, four hours coaching individually, coaching as a team, reviewing that game, looking forward. So nothing gets missed, you know. At times I think people want, you know, more more blood from us, you know, mm. for making an error. Mm. And that that's always that's always, you know, probably the toughest thing is like, okay, we've made an error. We're never gonna you know, no one goes out there to make an error, but I feel at times like people would like to see us uh, stone to stone to death in the Burke Street Mall just to make them feel 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 better after our performance from the weekend. But you know, I mean, um, sometimes you just got to move on with it. You know, like if we could change it, oh, at times it would be great too. But we don't. Umpiring is instinctive. You make that call. You know. In that moment, and you you're either right or wrong. You know, ideally, you want it to be right ninety nine percent of the time, hundred percent of the time. But at times, it's just really difficult. You well, know, it's, I mean? it's the same as any like it's the same as any player out there. They're not going out there to make mistakes, but no. unfortunately, it does happen <clears throat> throughout it. Yeah, and you know, as you see, you know, on Foxtel now, everything's replayed in mm. super slow mo replays on oh, Friday mate, I hated night. That. And, I used know. to hate that so much. They're like, "Dude, do you reckon you could have hit this kick?" I'm like, "Well, at fucking million <laughs> speed, yeah, it looks like I could have, but like, let's play it in real speed." Real and like, no, I couldn't have done that. Yeah, no, it's it, and that's the thing with camera angles at times or super slow mo's. It's like, well, yep, 
I can see that, but what about in real time? You yeah, know, exactly. like it's uh, that's that's always hard, and but you know that's what we're in. Everyone's got an opinion, and uh, do any decisions you know, over the last sort of five uh, hundred games? Do any of them keep you up at night of mistakes that have been out there? I've definitely got a few myself, but <laughs> for yourself, has anything been out there that you've been like, oh, geez, I really did miss that one? Let's get some blood out of you today. On yeah, the, on the I, I don't know, like maybe confession here, maybe yeah. feel better. No, um. I think over the years, it's the kind of things like I umpire, review, learn. You mm. know, if you want to ruin your weekend, your family's weekend, your partner's weekend, whatever, then you can stew over every decision for the next 48 hours if you want and be not a very nice person to be around during that period of time. So I've, I found a way to be able to go out there, try my best. Sometimes it's, it's good enough and sometimes you can go, Okay, I'm going to really reflect and learn on those. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, really the one that probably, you know, people ask you about the most is 2018 Grand Final, Collingwood, uh, West Coast, oh, wow, you yeah. know, late in the game, scores close. And depending on which side of the fence you sit on, depends on how you see the last marking contest. Willie Rowley and Braden Maynard. Yeah, and Dom Sheed and all that scenario. So if you're wearing black and white, you think it's free. If you're wearing blue and gold, you think it's okay. So, And this is this is the challenge of umpiring is that, there are sometimes things on the ground that are, sit in the gray gray space, or yeah. might might not always be black and white, and or there's lots of parts of the rules and the interpretations that you can argue for both both sides of the story. And you know, so it really is that's what makes our job challenging. And um, or you can go on is how have you umpired that potentially for that for the game in that space? Have you been consistent in that space? And probably that's where we've landed. Were you close to that decision? Yeah, it was me. So. That was you. Oh, yeah, that's, so that's was... probably where, you know, still get a lot of hate mail coming my way from uh, people, but, you know, that's... Uh... Where'd, like, in, if you're open, I appreciate you being yeah, honest yeah. with that, but if, like, where would you, and we don't encourage anyone to do that, where would you experience that? Is it, like, in face-to-face contact? Yeah, or is it... look, it hasn't, it hasn't been too bad for 24 yeah. years. Yeah. Only one death threat. Wow, so you had one a death, death threat. threat. Yeah. Um, Where was that? So Razor and I both got it together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was. So you got to share it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a Carlton supporter. Oh uh, no. <laughs> And yeah, it was just online. And again, I felt really serious yeah. in this space. Take it seriously. Uh, police investigated. They actually arrested the person. Wow. And, you know, I mean, Ray and I didn't want to press charges or, or go down that space, but I think uh, the, the, the guy's partner probably would have given him more a beating, you know, as he got home from uh, the police rolling up at his house, putting him in the back of the van, taking him to the the uh, police station, letting him sit there for a few hours and then uh, let him go and, you know, we didn't push on with it. But so, that you know, when something like that happens, you're like, oh, geez, that's – you have to take it seriously yeah. even though – Online Twitter, probably not that serious, but you don't know, right? You could just be walking out the front of your house and all of a sudden that person's there. You don't know, oh, look, you know, so you have to take it seriously. For serious. sure. We, we laugh about it now, tongue in cheek, but that is pretty, you don't really lightly <laughs> yeah. make death threats online. So I've been, been pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, probably one more recently, I was just catching the train to work at Richmond Station and uh, someone come up to me and we like, Give Collingwood more of a free kick, you know, type scenario. Or <laughs> that you, you know, doesn't surprise me you at know, all. It was like, oh, I'm just dressed like a pleb, and yeah. you know, so that's what makes you you more annoying. If someone recognises you, but uh, <laughs> no. So look, pretty lucky. Most people, when they meet you, or you're at a pub, or you're out and about, and people recognise, oh, that guy's an umpire. Yeah, they'll they'll want to come up and have a chat and. Most often, never an issue. And once they meet, I always tell people, you hate meeting me, right? You hate meeting me because you've never watched a football game and looked out for the umpire. And after you meet me, I guarantee you, you'll watch a game and be like, oh, it's Brett umpiring today. Yeah. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> what, why am I looking out for the umpire on TV? Yeah. And it's a true story. Everyone always messaging me back going, I can't believe I now watch a game and go, oh, is that Brett umpiring? You know, like just as yeah. So anyone who listens today will now be looking at your form <laughs> guide of where you're, you're where you're going to be umpiring for the rest of the week. <laughs> going through these stats here, okay? So umpired over 500 games, uh, career for more than 23 years, so 24th year this year. First match in 2000, officiated nine grand finals, nine grand finals. Yeah, that's <laughs> unbelievable in itself. We'll get into that shortly. Yeah. All Australian umpire three times, and AFL. 
umpire association umpire of the year five times. You also wear the number eight, which I love. For some reason, the thing with umpires, I love numbers on players, but also love numbers on umpires. <laughs> and I'm not just saying this because you're your dad. The number eight, very, it suits your uh, style. Oh, thanks. Does that? Well, is it l- <laughs> yeah. l- lucky eight? I don't, I don't know. know. I just like the eight. I think that I, I like aesthetically how they look on certain people. Oh. Andre's 27. I think he needs to come down a little bit lower. That's yeah, a little bit high. Might make his bum look a little bit bigger it, than 27. It does make like him like quite that. wide. But, but, um, uh, yeah, number eight. Got that uh, handed to me from uh, the great Peter Carey who uh, infamously uh, marked the footy in Perth. Um, he retired after that season. And then, yeah, I got uh, Rowan Saws and the Geish gave me the uh, number eight. And they said, give me your number eight, you know, 300-game umpire, bit of history in this number, mm. but you just don't mark the footy. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much was the advice I got. Okay. We haven't done that since, so let's, <laughs> let's keep it that way. Um, nine grand finals, what was your first, what was your favourite? <clears throat> yeah, so 09... Geelong, St Kilda was my, my first grand final. The toe uh, poke. The Matty toe Scarlet pokes, toe poke. Yeah, so again, those moments in games that I can't remember too much about the grand final, but you ultimately always see that bit of vision and mm. you recall that. Um, all I recall that day was first had, had the first bounds. had been raining all pre-game and lucky enough there was a, a, a stage covering the centre circle, so... Got to bounce the first one, and then pretty much I think we threw it up the rest of the day. It was mm. <clears throat> it was raining, so yeah, nine. So it was close. Went down to the the last moment. Twenty ten again. Draw can't get any closer than that. That was a bizarre feeling when the siren went. Well, on that as well. Like I'm, I know that you guys know the rules on that, but what was the feeling of like you going? We should have just kept playing it out. Like, did you? <laughs> yeah, like I've re- you know you reflect after and you're like. Oh, why don't you play extra time? Yeah. You know, at that, at that moment, you know, now obviously the rules have been changed to extra time. So that is that right now in yeah, grand finals? Yeah, so I that's all, that. yeah, last ever draw was 2010. Now that would always be extra time. Wow. So, yeah, when the siren went, um, we obviously were like, oh, this is weird. We're coming, you know, this has been replayed next week, so everyone's going to come back. Uh, we went down to the rooms uh, and then we got umpired pretty good that day so we all got informed of that downstairs that would be umpiring again next week which was good because you didn't have to wait for selection again and so go that through. happens like you actually go through selection process and everything. yeah grand, grand after you've umpired the prelim well it's a bit like survivor the umpires yeah. final series it's literally you know under the three umpire system it was 16 umpires needed um 12 for week one and that 12 gets cut to six week two and then week three is still six required. And then ultimately grand finals only three required. So it's really survivor, process of elimination. Um, mm. And this all comes down to your team performance, your indi- individual performance throughout the finals and and your body of work that you've done through the home and away season. Mm. So, yeah, the the drawn grand final, we got told we are doing it again. It was a bizarre feeling in the rooms. We, we didn't win or lose, but we I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, to be mm. honest, because you're like, What's this mean? You know, like, and it took us, we were pretty flat because in your mind, you're like, grand final day, that's the end of the season. I'm going on holidays. <laughs> I'm going overseas next week. All those kind of things you have to. And you had flights booked. <laughs> yeah. I think you did. So everything just got pushed back. But, uh, you know, no complaints. We got got paid twice for umpiring a grand final. <laughs> so. <laughs> I love that you're honest with this because my next question was the amount of money that, the AFL would have made as well. Yeah. Of like, I think they were oh, it was definitely, wrapped. Definitely a cash back. cow for. It was ridiculous because they had double, you know, attendance, double. Double gate. Yeah. Probably TV, Channel 7. Even the Double players. selling the ads, players, yeah. And yeah, the umpires all got paid twice. So I do laugh about it because it was a yeah, big pay month that That, that week. would have been the upgrade to business class <laughs> on, the, on the next trip. We'll get into your travel stories later because that's something we definitely want to talk about. So that was the second. The third would have been the rematch. Yeah, yep, rematch, uh, obviously a bit of a, a blowout, which, yep. I mean, in the end it was a lot less stress uh, once the grand final starts to blow out. Mm. So, yeah, and then I've been really fortunate. Like a lot of the grand finals I've umpired have all been pretty close to three-quarter time or teams with it, within still a chance at three-quarter time. So Collingwood Geelong 2011, uh, Hawthorne Sydney 2012, you know, 2014, 2015, all been pretty close. Is there a favourite that sticks out to you? Oh, well, um, 
like oh nine, you know, I sat on the bench oh eight, so I was pretty yep. pretty flat about missing Hawthorne Geelong. Hawthorne Geelong sat on the bench there. Um, so yeah, to get oh nine, you know, that was yeah, that was you know pretty special because I'd worked pretty hard for umpired the oh seven and oh eight prelims. So you know, you get that close, miss, miss. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and finally get your chance. Get your chance. Something really randomly sticks out for me. Like I think at that time I wasn't playing footy, I just a young kid watching as a supporter. And it was when Nathan Brown had uh, from Collingwood who was having just like his best career season and it was that big battle of like Rewalt and Nathan Brown playing on each other. And I just remember KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Remember, I was at the game and I just remember those two just running from the forward pocket to the wing and back for literally the whole game. Do you understand, well I know you obviously do, but do you, do you feel the when you're going to games like that and there's those key matchups, are you always sort of like Pre-empting, looking at them a bit closer yeah, and make sure yeah, they're I mean, officiated properly. Yeah, don't like don't overanalyze yeah. something going into a game because you know you just need to umpire what happens and reacts in front of you. But definitely a bit of planning is to know who's likely to play on who today. Do they have any history? Mm. Who's you know who's the defensive player? You know what I mean. But as you say, it's like when you're at the at the ground stuff stuff like that you can't quite see mm. on TV, and you know it's it's like. Nick Dacos now, right? If you go to the game and watch him run, yeah, his work rate is unbelievable. Like his his intensity off that half back and those long runs that he does and a lot of time he gets the ball, but a lot of time he doesn't get the ball. Yeah. It's un you know, unrewarded unre running. But you just see his work rate and I'd love to see his GPS. His GPS would be off the chart every game. Like just that's such it an interesting point. Unbelievable. What speaking of Nick Dacos or anyone else who comes to mind, like out there, who else do you when you umpire you go shit? Like they're out here. You can just like feel their presence around you, and you just sort of like look and a bit in amazement of what they do. Yeah, well, I think you know in those early days it was guys like Andrew McLeod, oh, you know, God, you, yeah. you know Adam Goods, Nathan Buckley, and then it became Chris Chard, you know, in those early days, <laughs> Chard just phenomenal. His new young kid that came in and just took the competition by storm and players like that, you know. And then, again, I've been, been really fortunate. I'm like, through great years. You're Simon Black, Jason Ackermanis, Jonathan Brown, you know, these kind of players. And then Nick Rewalt and, you know, like just his work rate and his courage to launch into packs and contests and stuff like that. So, And then, you know, there's so many amazing great players now that, that are out there, you know, mm. like – Dangerfield's got like just an amazing body of work that you can respect what he's done and stuff like that. So, but then you know, look at the new crop that are coming in, and that's oh, that's probably the hardest thing as as I get old, is trying to keep learning all these new names that come into the comp every year. That was actually keeping the, up with the you, who's who. Yeah, you guys are incredible at that. I think like the respect that you give the players, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you people would know this on the, that are watching the broadcast, but how much you actually know the players, know their names, have to study that sort of thing. In yeah. training, yeah. Well, I guess it's we need to be effective communicators, yeah. you know, and and at times using someone's name is going to be the best response, and you're going to get the, the best reaction. So, you know, but there's definitely times when you like need to ask a player to come back on the mark, and I'm like, mate, ma <laughs> ma mouse in the wheel here going, and I'm thinking, I got no idea who this player's name is, yeah. and like I need a bit <laughs> a bit more research here. Uh, because you just come across some teams that have you know, completely turned their list over. Yeah. Like I went to Hawthorne pre-season and, you know. Oh, Hawthorne, I, it's hard. Once you're out of it, you don't know who they are. Got there and I was like literally Sicily, Luke Bruce, and beyond that, I'm like, okay. Got to start researching. I need to, there's, there's a lot of new faces here and, you know, I would have known every Hawthorne player 
five, six years ago, but just shows you how quickly things change. Um, Moff, our producer, it's his first session in today, he's dominating over there um, doing his thing, but he's done some incredible research to see some of your best moments in games. And you look at this, and in all seriousness, it's a credit to yourself, it's a credit to what you've been able to do over those 24 seasons. To be able to – you just mentioned those play before and you have goosebumps thinking not many people would have been on the same field. Like even players – have been on the same field as Nathan Buckley's era, Wayne Carey, and then the modern day players now, and everyone else in between. It's fuck. It's genuinely bloody incredible. So we touched on it earlier. Jason McCartney's comeback game, the drawn grand final we just spoke about. You umpired in the replay, and we got paid some cashies, which is fantastic. Um, on the bench for the Siren Gate in Tassie. So yeah, big game. So obviously Matty Nichols, your mate. Yeah, I was just on the bench that day. You know, did we hear the siren? It was like something happened. Yeah. And everyone on the bench sort of looked at each other and were like, was that the siren? And then no reaction and then everyone just sort of sat down again. And then you look on the field and something's happening and it was like, oh, no, this is. And then Maddie bounced the ball and game continued and then, you know, flying out, that coming back, I remember coming back into Melbourne and just the media scrum at Melbourne Airport, oh, it was chaos. What was the coach's name that walked on the, the ground? Um, um, Chris, Chris Connolly, that was yeah. yeah. Chris Connolly just like animated. yeah, animated. <laughs> Fair enough. To get to the point of that, did they? Was it siren just quiet? You couldn't hear it, or uh, it was obviously quiet. Yeah, um, and I think that it just got pressed for just a moment. Not long enough. Not long enough, and maybe the timekeeper thought it went long enough and loud enough, but no one heard it. You know, what I mean, it was absolute chaos. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to be umpiring games or be involved with games like that because it was. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty crazy scene afterwards. Oh my God, 100%. On the bench for the famous Frio West Coast Derby, which was like an absolute, speaking of bloodbaths earlier, this one was hectic. It was hectic. So that was, uh, yeah, I was young, young kid in Perth just on the bench there and I remember game started and you had Pavlich and Gardner toe-to-toe -to -toe in the goal square sprinting out there, not that I'm going to do much yeah. as the emergency <laughs> umpire. Like, what would you actually do if they did like, like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's the whole the emergency umpire in those days running out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just to provide support so the umpires can get yeah, on with the game course. and we're just standing there seeing if anyone's going to, you know, do anything. But, yeah, that was crazy. They were just going toe-to-toe -to -toe before the game even started, game started. And then I look up and then there's another blue in the other goal square at the other, other end of the ground with Dale Kickett and uh, Phil Reed. And I think I just ran straight from one goal square <laughs> down the middle of the ground to the other goal square. Oh, I was the busiest emergency umpire ever in the history of the game. I must have been out there 20 times during that game. It was absolute chaos. So it's quite funny every time the, the derby approaches that, you know, that game gets replayed. Yeah. So I think I've seen that game, you know. 20, 25 times, 26, 100%. 30 times in the last few years. How many suspensions got handed out in that? Oh, I'm not sure. Fair I'm, few. I'm not sure. It would have been a lot. Um, umpired Andrew Walker's huge hanger on Jake Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, again, it's just it those moments, yeah. Did he win Mark of the he Year? He didn't win Mark of the no, Year. No, it was pretty stiff. Cracker won it, which was an incredible okay. mark as well. Yeah, but okay. I think... I remember that year, Walks was very upset. Yeah, he um, would have been. He didn't hide it <laughs> either, that he was. he thinks he was robbed of that. Cracker's mark... Was incredible, incredible mark, but it was on a pack. Yeah. Whereas this one, because it was on like a one, like to take a hanger on one person and just yeah. be standing like that, they're probably as high as each other and as good as each other, but yeah. to one person, it's pretty impressive. No, nah, and again, this is where, you know, mark of the year, there's so many amazing marks every, every week, year to yeah. year, you know, like you could, lots of them need a car. Yeah. Uh, Buddy's 13, we touched on, umpired sauce last game at Princess Park <laughs> oh, where yeah. Darren Milburn knocked him out late in the game. I remember this. So this was when I was yeah. just getting into sort of footy and I remember how big that was going to Princess Park. And ever since then, for all the rest of his career, whenever Darren Milburn played at Carlton, he got booed. Oh, that was that was scary actually when 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 that happened and obviously Darren knocked him out. Oh we can't you know, it was sort of late of the game, crowd was you could just sense they were just angry at that point. They were always angry at Princess Park. Yes, but uh, when you kill Favourite son, Favorite of, the son of the club. Favourite son of the club. There's a bit of more spice to it. And I remember post-game coming in the rooms and in those days it was under the old 
grandstand and the umpires race and the and the Geelong team race were the same and we all exited to go to the, the car park and there was like police security guards for Geelong and us like there was hundreds wow. of Carlton fans at the back that they wanted to get to him and stuff like that it was it was pretty scary post game so we all just got escorts to the car and got out of there yeah I remember not that, that we did anything wrong but you know it was like yeah, uh, yeah full on just because the umpires rooms was next to the Geelong rooms so we were just all caught up in it he sure smother on uh nick rewell yeah like moments like that you know just iconic footy footy moments that you know you're just sitting there you just call and play on <laughs> going that's huge do you take into account are you so zoned in that moment that you're sort of witnessing you know you're witnessing something awesome or is it so like in the zone that you you, you don't realize until after it's actually happened i uh, probably in that moment i you know what I mean? Because Nick doesn't see he's coming, but I yeah, can. Yeah. So you're, you know your your different perspective of it is like this is going to be a goal, and then next minute you see that he's closed so quickly. Yeah. The best smother of all time. You know, really unbelievable. Uh, and umpired Ryan Crowley, the <laughs> pinching Brent Harvey. Yeah, you know, and umpiring sometimes is like babysitting. You know, like it's like, oh God. Do you just think, shut the fuck up? Well, it's not, it's not even just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shut up. It's it's more like, oh my God, can you believe we're literally having to babysit, you know, in the good old tag, yeah. the good old tag days. So this was Crowley, Boomer Harvey over in Perth. Clearly, Fremantle had a plan to, you know, heavy tag on Brent Harvey and, you know, and he did it well. Pinching must have. Uh, mm. Pinching hurts, man. Yeah, well, and, and like if you're pinching someone, he was doing it in a way that it was hard for us to see potentially, but there was clearly a reaction happening. And I think we just sat one umpire next to those two for like a 10 minute period. Uh, Jacob Mollison and I, we quite laugh about that game quite often because it's like, oh, he was very clever. Every time we'd turn our back, he'd do something. So players know when we're looking and when we've got to get on with the game. and can't put a resource into, you know, full-time babysitting, but sometimes it feels like that's what you're doing out there. Speaking earlier about, like, the mentality of of umpiring and, and obviously, like, with the death threat, which is super serious, you've got high-pressure stakes, you feel like you're not really on anyone's team because no matter what you do, you're affecting someone. Does the pressure ever get too much for you and maybe earlier days in the career learning to deal with that? Like, have you ever found any strategies or anything that you do um, to deal with, the high stakes of games like what works best for you yeah i think as you get more experience and you you, you know you survive through the the early early years where you know social media has played a big part in that mm. you know like not on twitter anymore i'm not you know so you remove yourself from things like that or you make mm. sure you're private everywhere wherever you are but you just you just don't go looking for it mm. because it really does eat eat at you you know like you know, you can umpire a game and, again, even though you you might be private on Facebook, you can see a few messages start to queue in your inbox. Like, don't even read them. You just go through and delete delete them all, you know. So early, early days you might have looked at that or read that and that can really, you know, sap your confidence or make you question, you know, things a lot more. What you got to do is just knows, know whose uh, opinion that you value and you you respect, and what's important, you know. So, and as I said, like we're reviewing those games harsher than anyone. Like we don't need to go looking for mm. someone's negative feedback. You know, I, I'm going to be upset with myself if I've made a blues. So, you know, roll forward to being an older person now, and you know, I think maybe I just don't take myself so seriously. You know, what I mean, I think it's sort of just at times it's like, you know, is what it is. You know, like shit happens. Unfortunately, you know, like. You know, carrying on. Oh, umpires missing throws, and it's like, well, how about players just handball it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. That, that, that would be that would be That'd ideal. Be easier, yeah. You, you know, the players own the game, own how it looks <laughs> yeah. and feels. Just handball it. Stop throwing it. Like that would yeah. be that would be the ideal situation. And then you know, if we miss it, you know, quite often it's <laughs> blindsided or coming out of a pack, and we're just not going to guess. You mm. know, so. You know, things like that is more like you can get a bit fired up over. <laughs> Love it. Um, there's another part of what we were talking about earlier is the, the umpiring of so many fathers throughout the game. So you were <laughs> lucky, uh, you appreciate you putting the list together for me, but you put um, 
Tom Libertore, Tony Libertore, Jack Silvani, Stephen Silvani, Sam and Luke Darcy, the Wodens now as well, Callum and Gavin Brown, <coughs> and Jasper Fletcher and Will Ashcroft last weekend. Yeah, so, you know, that's what makes you feel old, really. Incredible. <laughs> you know, I mean, umpired, you know, both their dads, uh, different stages at Brisbane and Fremantle when Adrian played, and umpiring both those guys on the weekend, you know, it's just, you know, or... Quite often I, Tom Liberatore, and I just have this automatically vision of his old man because in um, 2001, it was only my ninth game, umpired Richmond versus Western Bulldogs mm. and uh, Tony Liberatore gets Matty Knights off the ball and, you know, I was only a nine-game umpire, pretty <laughs> pretty wet around the ears. Umpiring with two senior guys that day, Shane McInerney and Scott McLaren and um, not sure what happened. No free kick was paid. I've come in from the end zone to manage this melee and obviously got a bit overwrought after that moment and, and for the rest of the game it didn't umpire very well and you know as a young umpire you learn a lot from from games like that and we quite often laugh because uh Libba he got five weeks at the tribunal you know I got dropped for six by the <laughs> AFL so I got sent back to the waffle for the next six weeks and, you know, work on my craft, as they yeah. say. So he got five, you got six. So he's punched the bloke in the yeah, face. Yeah, I know. So I didn't or even... done something off the ball. Yeah. And you've been dropped for six. Six weeks, yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's a good, good lesson. As a young umpire, just around how you manage moments in games or, you know, how you go about, mm. you know, dealing with, with situations like that, you know, because part of our job is to, to manage the game of footy and, you know, I think I just got a bit overawed and I know things that happened after that, I just was probably still thinking about the what the punch yeah. on and the blood and everything like that had happened and what what did I miss or what did we miss? And that's, you know. Stay in the moment. Yeah, stay in the moment. You've got to be able to move on. You know, if you're still thinking about a decision from Q1 and Q3, you're going to have a pretty bad day, you know. Mm. So they're the life lessons as an umpire around how do you, umpire the here and now and then just keep keep keeping that that frame of mind you uh, are known to love your traveling <laughs> is that something that's a passion of yours outside of footy yeah I think it's that reward yourself yeah. for your commitment all year you know working managing footy that kind of stuff so it's the kind of thing that I always want to make sure that I've got something booked in for the end of the year yep. so that you know, it's winter time. You're like, oh, what am I doing here? All my friends are in Europe or Mykonos or Croatia <laughs> at the moment, and I'm running around in Canberra on a Saturday night. And, you know, you know, Canberra's like, <laughs> a beautiful space, right? But uh, yeah, so it's definitely something that I always do is like book in something for October, make sure I've got something to look forward to. Yeah. Mid-season? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if you're talking to anyone else, they'd be like, oh, he's the only bloke that's ever taken a mid-season holiday in the... In the buy-around. In, yeah, in the buy-around. So people are like, oh, you know, Dugowie goes to Bali. Well, it's like, yeah, Rosebury went to Mykonos. For- Did you go to Mykonos? Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the other week at the 500, a few stories came out and... Hayden Kennedy was there and there was a time when Hayden Kennedy and it was the coach and Wayne Campbell was the director and, and Hayden was in the crowd and I was like, oh, this is a true story. But Hayden actually doesn't know this story. So he's the, the <laughs> he coach. He was the coach at the time yeah. and mid-season break. So we were getting a week off, but Hayden was pretty tight around, oh, you can only have that one training session off, you know, and I was like, oh, if I had that one extra session, I'd be able to really push the – so I was like, okay, I'm in New Zealand for a work trip. So I felt pretty flexible when you've got a work trip. So I uh, said I was going to New Zealand for a week for work and then, uh, and I went to Tel Aviv in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so I went there for eight days. Um, you know, I mean, beautiful Israel, summertime. Uh, just, yeah, a few friends were all going there, so I sort of worked it out that I snuck into Israel in and out and then landed back on the Tuesday morning and we are training Tuesday night and, you know, I've been in Israel, Tel Aviv. The peak of summer. Yeah, and I'm like pretty tanned after <laughs> a week a week on the beach. and So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to training tonight. So I got out the zinc cream and I started rubbing, no the, zinc, rubbing the zinc all over my body. And I made sure I got the training. It was like long skins, legs, arms, beanie, like completely covered up. So 
No, no one knew. I kept that pretty quiet, actually. So yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> Just a quick trip to Tel Aviv. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely happy to explore the mid-season, uh, the breaks, and I think the, the that's humanizes, you know, a lot to realize that umpires like having some fun too. Yeah, I think it's it's good balance. You know what I mean? Like, and to be honest, that year I came back to the grand final, so you know, obviously didn't. It worked well. Worked well, and maybe it's a good, you know, refresh and reset at that mid-season point. Where are some of your favourite places to go and travel in the off-season? Yeah, your trip planned. Uh, this yeah, year? this year I've booked South America, so oh, I'm um, going to head to Buenos Aires in Argentina. And yeah. have you been before? Not uh, Argentina, uh, and so I'm going to Argentina and Brazil. So I haven't been to Sao Paulo. So it just happens to be <laughs> Tomorrowland Brazil is on in Sao Paulo. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Might have to check out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sold out, but I'm sure we can find a ticket last minute and then going to go to Rio for a bit. Yeah, travel around South America for a bit and then come back and relaunch again pre-season. But, um, yeah, like, oh, places, where do I like? Just on um, Sao Paulo and yeah. uh, that trip. So I was really lucky my, when I finished at Carlton, I did South America with um, a couple of mates and mm. it was easy, one of the coolest trips I've ever done. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just... Every you know, every bloke when they oh not every bloke because these guys weren't as interested but I just go full history nuffy when you get over there, and the history of um in Buenos Aires in Argentina is genuinely unbelievable. I feel yeah. like I have to tell everyone about it as soon as I go. But it's split of like the rich and poor. Have you? I'm sure you. Yeah. Anyone with half a brain actually knows this stuff. Yeah. I didn't when I <laughs> when I went there, but the history of that um city is unbelievable. I did like three walking tours. Um, when the boys were like coming home from the clubs, that I was like, I just need to learn more about it. You just get so fixated in in the history of these places and what yeah. like actually transpired. Yeah, I, I like running cities. Running, you know, yeah. Like, so what I quite often do is I just go for a run. Yeah, and I get lost and just keep running and explore a city that way. Like that's what I really like is just just head out from the hotel and find a you know, run along the river and go through different suburbs or little towns around the city. And I think it's a good way of exploring and seeing the city. And So when we went to Berlin, which I know is a favourite of yours, <laughs> we, um, I was with Jazz and we, it was at the same time when I was playing footy, so I was trying to keep fit at the same time. And we got in and I may have missed a few runs before. I was like, fuck, I've got to go for a run. Yeah. But I've got to be back because we're going for a walking tour that um, yep. afternoon. As you do in Berlin. As you do. Yeah. That's, what else would you do in Berlin? <laughs> Just go for a walking tour. We'll find out. But I um, went for this run and I ran through the town. This I was like, it was really early, you know, in Europe, like nothing opens till yeah. like 10, 11 o'clock. Well, if you're running and then people are leaving the clubs yeah, as you're running, there's literally. sort of two, two-tiered system. Two-tiered system. <laughs> so I felt pretty good that morning. And um, we were running through, ran through this bit there was this big gate and i was like oh, okay cool that looks important like you know you're just sort of like thinking something looks cool yeah, here ran yeah. past this um big art expose and i was like fuck that's something and then ran through this other like town center and the point being went back to that same spot not knowing where i was even going yeah and we met there and found out that like the hotel i ran past was uh where michael jackson yeah was, hung, like, the baby hung the baby out, yeah, out of the window yeah. Then I ran through this big gate, yep. and it was the gate of yep. um, Brandenburg Gate. Brandenburg Gate, yep. and that's yep. where Hitler came to power. Yep. Then turned the left uh, left corner, and I ran past this big museum. <clears throat> found out that was an, um, a massive memorial for the Jewish family, which yeah. was incredibly yeah. like to know that I'd been there by myself what that morning, yeah. and not knowing what it was, and then being there, I was it just like sent shivers through. Mm. Went to like. Yeah, Hitler's bunker. It's just some car park. I ran through it, like ran through yeah, that yeah. by myself and went to the um, The last one was the burning of the books. Yeah. I stopped there and had like a drink and I was like, yeah. hey, you know, you just don't yeah. know that stuff. Yeah, definitely walking tours is definitely a great way of yeah. finding out the stories if you if you haven't got the history behind it. So, mm. But yeah, Berlin's an amazing city, you know, from the history yep. side and I've only ever been there during it's cold. So that's the only thing about Berlin. I'd like to go back. Yeah. Bit more summertime because it's uh, when I've been, it's always been a bit cold. Mm. But yeah, Berlin has something for everyone. I say Berlin is yeah, it a bit of a, a weird city in that regards. You like your Tomorrowland Festival, which you like stuff. Have you ever been? To, did you ever go to the, the Bergheim? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that place. Uh, so first time I've I've been rejected once. How many times have you been? I've been in three times. Wow. So I've got rejected once, been in three times, um, lined up, 
for three hours on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon, trying to, you know, get in. And then, you know, it's, I don't know what it is about that joint. It's like, why am I lining up for three hours? <laughs> and you actually don't know whether you're going to get in or not. Yeah. So you like, literally <laughs> get to the front, you know, the German bouncer looks at you up and down and either like, not today or in you go. So, um, so talk us through the, did you get in the first time? Or did you um, no, first, the first, first time. time I got rejected yeah. and I'm blaming these Italian tourists that were like in the group in front of me because they were really loud and I thought you were group of guys and I you know, just thought I was part of that group yeah. and got turned away. So you, you do need a plan. You need, yeah. you need a so plan. So what's the plan and how have you yeah, learned you this? Ne- yeah. You need a plan. Uh, you need to know who the DJs are on that afternoon or that time yeah. when you're going. You need to try and know some basic German in case the bouncer talks to you in German, but you need to quickly, you know, reference the DJ that you're there to see. Yeah. Or you just need to somehow look a bit unusual or weird or, I don't know, nothing too bright or something like that. Like so did much. you dress up in like all black? Just or? black, you know, pretty basic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know if there's a, a, a real secret to getting in. Um, I did give some tips to someone recently. Yeah. And he just messaged me like last week, I got rejected. So okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I was like, yeah, well, you probably were like oh, looking just, like I, you were probably wearing Ralph Lauren yeah, or something yeah. like that. I was like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> I would get so, like the thought of lining up and it makes me so nervous. Like yeah. I think I just crumble at the front. Yeah. And then I went more recently, November last year in the off season and and the plan was okay so I'm not going to wait until the queue in the afternoon mm. I'm going to I'm going to go at 10 a.m. in the morning <laughs> on Sunday morning that yeah. was the plan so early Saturday night wake up going to Bergheim Sunday morning knowing that if I did get rejected the boun- the bounces change after a certain time like at one or one o'clock might be a chance to come in again later in the afternoon anyway got in and like inside is the sound system is like yeah. What's it like? Like what? It's like, it's so huge. You know, like how many rooms is there? Like oh, it's like it's an old power station, right? Yeah. It's huge. You know, like the the venue is so big. Um, there's multiple different DJ rooms and places to to hang, but it, it it's just so big that it's just not ever like overcrowded mm. but it's more that the sound system is like unbelievable and then there's all weird kinds of people that are in there and yeah it's uh as i said berlin has something for everyone and the kind of unique weird cats that are in there it's uh, i think that's what makes part of it you know unbelievable yeah i don't experience. know if it's um i don't know if it's for me at this stage <laughs> I, I i would love to try it one day but one of my mates is actually looking at moving over to Berlin at the moment, so mm. he's um yeah looking to move over there. So maybe once we're over there, and visiting yeah, him we'll definitely helps. I think you know try to get him, a local, get him with a local or something like 100%. that. Any good place around the world, people can buy their way in or they yep. can reserve a way to get in. Is the one place that you can't do that. It just you just have to line up. If you get in, you get in. There's no way of buying your way in or something like that. So I think that's what makes it pretty cool too. Hundred percent. They, you see the amount of people just getting rejected. So it's pretty depressing cool in the queue. Yeah. Like you're lining up and you're like, you just see these people getting turned away and you're like, oh, they look pretty cool. And they still get turned away. And like, oh, there, there literally is no. I wonder if there is something. To, there used to be a filter on TikTok that you could like <laughs> practice getting let in. And I, I couldn't even get in on that. <laughs> I have to try it. Let me know how it goes. Um, goals for the rest of your umpiring and even personal life what have you what have you got set for yeah you know we, we our list umpiring list we just added 10 new umpires this year so you know like part of you know what i want to leave you know legacy is trying to make sure that when i leave in you know one two three years time is that you know the, that next generation you know are ready to you know take over mm. and and you ultimately want to leave the place in a better situation than ideally when you found it, you know. So, yeah, I just want to impart my knowledge onto all the young guys and the guys that are ready to push me over and kick me to the side. So, yeah, that's what you want to do is just, you know, see other people experience 
what I've been lucky enough to experience and, mm. you know, seeing that guys like Brendan Hosking doing his first grand final last year, you know, like couldn't have been more wrapped, you know, you know, someone like that getting an opportunity, being around a long time and stuff like that. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, I'll hang in, you know, I'm saying hang in, but I still feel like um, going all right mentally, physically, hang around for as long as uh, I feel I'm still enjoying it. Tidbits to finish. Top three players you've ever oh. umpired. Three, two, one, Brownlow style. Three, two, one, best players. Um, oh, I think uh, Franklin can't go past. Franklin. Number one. We had one. And favourite memory of him, the 13. Oh, probably just other games, you know, yeah. probably uh, Hawthorne Essendon running down the wing, hooker. Yeah. Bouncing, bouncing, yeah. and then just kicks it goal. You know, like that's classic. Yeah. But right, like you pay to go and watch that. Oh, mate, 100%. Um, I think you know, guys like Andrew McLeod, mm. you know, these guys, they just have so much time. And Scott Pendlebury's in that category. Yeah. You know, just watching, you know, like Scott when he has the ball, like, how does he have so much time? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, it's the almost, game is yeah. so fast, yet he creates. The game being slow around him, it's it's remarkable. It's like he puts. I, I watch him, obviously playing for such a long time, but it still amazes me. I think about it a lot because because he hasn't been blessed with pace. He's had to learn how to find time. Mm. Whereas like when you've got pace, yeah. you don't <laughs> you don't have time. So it's sort of like the other thing. It's like it's sometimes. Having speed is the worst thing you can have because you rely on it. You end up fucking it up all the time. <laughs> well, you go that fast, you can't yeah. kick it. Either. Speaking from experience. <laughs> and when you don't have it, you look at him and he literally stands there and everyone just moves around him. Yeah, he's he's been remarkable, you know, and he's still got plenty left in him, mm. which you know, I mean, I love seeing, you know, not just the AFL, but, you know, like the guys like Roger Federer and Rafa who've been out of, you know, tennis when you were – late 20s, you were done, you yeah. know, like you used to be 16 to 28. Right. Now, you know, the world's evolved or high-level sport has evolved. Yeah, you well, know. even you're showing it now, like 43 years of age, still being able to yeah, compete I, at your highest level is so incredible. Yeah, and I just think, you know, we've been lucky in this generation around, you know, sports science and recovery and everything has just gone to new levels. Mm. And we've looked after our bodies better and uh, we've been able to, yeah, well, I think also experience helps, you know, mm. like and has turned the tables a little bit that experience plays a big role in, you know, that longevity now. Yeah. And there is that like that theory of you are only as, as old as you feel and I feel like someone like Scott Penderbury, as long as you've got that mindset that he does, he could he can keep playing for three, four more years mm. and, and continue to play at his best. It's not like he's losing anything. Like it's not like he's getting any slower. Nah, and uh, helps when you've got lots of good players around you. Also. Yeah, that's very yeah, true. That makes a difference. Very true. One, have you got one more? Oh, who, who is there? I mean, like Juddy was remarkable, uh, but guys like Jonathan Brown, or, yeah. as I said, Nick Rewald, like their courage, players like that, they're just... What about relationship-wise in the field, funniest guys that you've sort of come across? Is there anyone that... Um, well, as I said, it changed a lot. Like early days, there was guys like Scott Campriali, yeah. you know, Scott's actually his dad was an umpire back in the Sample. So yeah, right. Scott grew up in an in an umpiring household. So I think when he was out in the field, he knew all the rules, right? Yeah. So he would be giving you plenty of feedback throughout the day. And <laughs> even when he was assistant coach over the last few years, I'd be like, Oh, it's not the same without you know, it's just the players just not the same like yeah. in the old days with Scotty would be giving you plenty or again, I'm showing my age, but guys like Martin Pike, you know, were characters. Yeah. And Martin would quite often say to you, oh, if I'm doing, if I'm being an idiot on the field, don't come over and try and manage me. Just tell me to shut the fuck, you know, or, you know, <laughs> so like, good, he's yeah. like, I'll react to that yeah. and respect you more if you just tell me to shut F up, off yeah. or, you know. But if I come over and try and manage him nicely and yeah, politely, he's down, just, but, yeah, yeah, like just, he will not react to that. Like that will make him worse. <laughs> so, That's such a good So call. who gave you that advice early days? But, oh, the, the game is so fast now. Yeah. The game is just so fast that, look, there are moments, you know, I umpired, you know, Isaac Smith in Geelong now and Jack Gunston, now Brisbane, and Isaac's having a shot at goal. Jack Gunston comes down to the side of the protected mm -hmm. area, obviously two ex-Hawthorne premiership teammates, 
and Jack's just getting stuck into him about you never kick these for Hawthorne, you know, yeah, you yeah. never <laughs> kick these from Hawthorne, you know. And Isaac Smith just burst out laughing like he heard him yeah. and he got him and he missed. So it was quite funny, like, that kind of moment or next centre bounce, Isaac's on the wing behind me and I'm like, he got you and he's like, oh, got me you know yeah. like, I just heard him enough that he he made me laugh so you know you can appreciate moments like that you know that make it fun to be out oh, I think awesome mate well done um congratulations on everything you've achieved today congratulations on what's about to occur breaking the game's record as well it's um it's been an honor to to have you on the on the pod it really is and it's credit to yourself mate it, I must say um doing what you've done is not an, an easy feat and still plenty of uh, running the legs and we'll have to maybe Get out for a little um, <laughs> little session in at Bergheim. Maybe we'll take Joshy with us, and you we can, can say on the golf course. Yeah, you know, I'll give you a laugh on the well, golf we can course. Well, we go on the golf course as well, but I think that you can teach me a bit more off the field. Right. Um, would be good fun. Might have to head over to Tel Aviv. All right, sounds good. Done. Thanks so much. Got it, Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in. IllyXX. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.